Hello there and welcome to another episode of Thought Architecture and today <clears throat> we're taking a deep dive into what the world gets wrong about language learning. And uh, yes, I know that sounds arrogant, so let me explain. <laughs> All right, so when, the, when do we think about learning a language, I want you to go back in time and I want you to go back to high school, okay? How were you taught? How did it all work? Was it effective? Now, I want you to imagine that what you experienced in high school, what you experienced in primary school, and uh, perhaps elsewhere, that's pretty standard. It's pretty normal that um, we stay focused on textbooks, we stay focused on this kind of this weird material, these publication houses, just keep putting out all of this content that just, you know, it doesn't necessarily drive language learning forward. It makes for a nice, pretty collectible kind of course book, but ultimately <clears throat> doesn't really do much. So as a teacher who's been teaching for over 15 years in five different countries, has a master's degree as well, let me tell you that I've seen the same thing in countless different countries. I've heard the stories from countless different nationalities as well when learning English, for example. And English is at the, the, the tip of the spear. It is the peak, the pinnacle of education because there's, it has the greatest industry. It has the greatest... Uh, standardization as well as like numerous franchise schools that actually teach it and so the result is that there's um, a fast adaptation with regard to new materials out there but it generally leads the way in terms of like oh well this is the popular second language learning methodology and that's all to say that it still sucks it still sucks there is very little there that actually you know um, provides anything of value because what you tend to get is like these little um, discrete grammar points per lesson and you one of the biggest issues is this idea called continuous enrollment where a new student can just join a class at any point in time that they want and so without having anything to build on you've got this issue but even if you didn't have that issue even if you didn't there's this this understanding that somehow the material that is sold is the best material for you and so, for example, if you want to learn a language, which material would you buy? Which app would you buy? And there they have nicely presented material all laid out to kind of keep testing you on the material that they've got. Now, don't get me wrong. There is something behind having well-designed material. <clears throat> you can't just learn from a dictionary, you know, like it, it does make a difference. Absolutely. But what's more important than that? is is very important and we'll get to that in a second the the main issue is that also people focus on what they can test and so they focus on these these different methods of testing um, most of this material will figure uh, space repetition testing as in like oh could you remember this phrase that we this random phrase that we tested you on or taught you uh, you know two weeks ago or something so here, a quick one, for example, is I'm doing some uh, Anki Spanish. And one of the sentences that I had to remember was, he left his family. Now, why? Why, as someone who's studying Spanish and looking for a, a particular structure, why would I need that grouping of words? He left his family. Why would I need that at all? You know, what is the situation where that's going to come in handy? <laughs> you know? I mean, yes, I can think of a couple of contexts where that's going to come in handy, but I can also think that there's a more appropriate uh, phrase to learn 
to learn the word left. To, uh, there's a more appropriate situation, sorry, to learn that, that word or to learn that sentence structure has left his family. Um, so that being said, again, there's, there's an idea behind, well, the material doesn't quite matter as much as other things. Okay, so well, what are we talking about here? A lot of the material focuses on grammar and then vocabulary and separates it into two so we can test them. And that's really a lot of the functions behind the grammar vocabulary kind of dichotomy. It's so they can test it. But it doesn't actually track a lot of a lot of the time when we're talking about learning languages. There's numerous people who say, oh, you, well, you can learn language without learning the grammar. If you want to take it to a high level, the grammar will be a great supplementary tool to really support your structures and vocabularies shouldn't lead the charge when it comes to language learning it should be a, a good kind of like think about it like a supplement as well you know a nice vitality booster so we've got this idea that grammar vocabulary that's out the window the space repetition systems eh, it depends on how they're structured and what's the appropriacy and this is where we get down to it when you're focusing on material you should focus on that which matters to you the most. So it's almost a way of creating your own material. And so here's what I'm going to say. With material, focus on what you like and focus on what you need. And so mainly, the, one of the main important things is that learning is deeply connected with emotions. So the more you can make it a pleasurable thing, something you enjoy, the more you're actually going to be consistent as well and want to do it again and want to entertain yourself with the language let's say if you enjoy reading in your in your target language well then read in your target language it doesn't matter if it's like good or bad for you the emotional connections that you make as well as putting in consistent time and effort trying to decipher the language is going to be the thing that carries you over the finish line right that that emotion number one is going to be the big deal showing up and doing the work without a doubt now Focusing on what you like is one part of it, but then also focusing on what you need is the second part of it. As in, I could read the Harry Potter series in Swahili, and that's great, but it doesn't necessarily help me if I'm going to be working in a Swahili-speaking environment, right? I need to know how to greet people, introduce myself, uh, talk about work. I need to be able to set deadlines, respond to people in emails. So I've just created like 16 different scenarios where there's interactions with people and I need to know what is the language that's very typical in these places and then learn it. So focusing on needs and focusing on likes are your two big ideas. Now there's a third, but I would leave that for the teachers, which is to focus on your level. And that's where you could use the standardized material that's out there by working through material and being like, oh, I actually know all the beginner stuff. Maybe I'm more pre-intermediate. Oh, actually I know most of the pre-intermediate stuff. Okay, cool, maybe I'm intermediate. And then you work through all the intermediate stuff and you're like, oh, actually I only knew 50% of this. So this seems appropriate for my level. Even though you're able to function very well at work, and even though you're still working through, let's say, the, <clears throat> I don't know, the Hunger Games audiobooks, let's say. So we've got this idea that um, we've been sold a lie in terms of, oh, you need this material. If you want to learn a language, this is what you need, rather than focusing on, well, I want to learn Spanish. So let me watch Netflix series with Spanish audio, Spanish subtitles, 
and intermingle them. Oh, I've had a long day, so let me just put on the Spanish subtitles with English audios, things like that. Um, more input, you know, different YouTube channels, whatever it is. Um, there are numerous, numerous websites just dedicated to free materials. And it's just focusing on finding what you enjoy. So that is a major step. But then focusing on what you need, it's always a good idea to get a native speaker. You can find native speaker teachers anywhere, really. There's like 15 different websites. Um, Preply, italki are, are just the, the, the big, big, big two that I think about right now. And I mean, I found Italian teachers up there for as little as five, $5 an hour. So can you imagine if you had an hour with a native speaker teacher and you say, I'm in this situation, I want to know how to order a coffee, you know? How, how can I say, can I have a cup of coffee, please? And they're like, ah, posso avere un... And then what type of coffee do you want? Oh, americano. Uh, posso avere un americano, per favore. You know, and that's, and that's literally what you need. Someone who's going to tell you, well, in Italian, we say these things, rather than you sitting with a translation app or rather than you like sifting through books and course books and, uh, you know, audio lingual kind of methodologies. Just, just go directly to interacting with a person to get what you need. That is a fantastic way. Create your own material. Now, this is also very important because it brings up this whole idea that the situations that you need it in, these are called contexts, okay? Most of the time, when you're learning a language, you learn lists of vocabulary or grammar that is usually devoid of context. These are decontextualized points. Think about like when you learned the colors, you learned like red, blue, yellow, green, you know, whatever. But you didn't learn how to use them. Like what's the sentence that you would use them in? Okay, so that's also part of the structure, part of the grammar. But nobody walks around saying the cat is brown, the dog is blue, you know, the table is red. Nobody says this. Like think about it in your life. You would actually say, oh, um, I want to wear my red t-shirt today. That makes more sense. And if you think about it, the context there is, why would you say that sentence at all? Who are you talking to? Maybe, you know, your partner or your, your some family member is asking you, what are you wearing today? Because they want to they wanna make sure that they're not matching with you. Which, just by the way, happens to be a current pain of my wife and I, the amount of times that we leave the house and we realize that we're wearing the exact same color, top and, uh, you know, trousers, or we're opposites, you know, so like I'm wearing black trousers with maroon, a maroon shirt, and she's wearing maroon trousers with a black shirt, something like that. It's ridiculous how, how frequently this happens. So there's a context where it could be like, hey, what color are you planning to wear today? Oh, I'm, I'm wearing this. That's a context fantastic but just learning how to say i'm wearing my red shirt today no good no good so the the idea is coming up with a real situation that you are going to use it in and it's better for you to actually think huh where would i like to use it in my life rather than thinking oh well here's a sentence let me brainstorm all the different situations i could use this it's much better to go for your needs first and then look at the sentences you can create so the result of this type of learning as well is <clears throat> the, the, the pains that you go through to learn is usually like you're very divorced from your learning. You know, it's, it's very boring and it takes a lot of hard work to sit down and discipline yourself. There's also another point to talk about here, which is 
they present you with information and then they say, oh, so learn this. And well, how am I supposed to learn this? The best system of learning out there is a flashcard application that isn't just a straightforward flashcard application. It has a, um, a spaced repetition system algorithm. That is the best method of learning that they, that and when I say they, quote unquote, I'm talking about like the language learning industry has come up with this idea of, well, just repeat exposure to it or just to answer a whole bunch of questions on it, you know, like do a lot of writing in textbooks. And that, that is a big issue. If we are talking about um, memories, how to create memories, we can talk about the play between working memory and your long-term memory. And within your long-term memory, you also have procedural memory. And so just to be able to say, hello, how are you? Sometimes you can say it automatically. I want you to think you're driving home, and you kind of like start thinking about something else about your day and you realize that you've just arrived home and you have no idea how you just got there. It's just an automatic process in your brain. Now that is pretty much where we want to take your learning with your language, but we want to take fixed expressions to that point. And so the idea is that very, very, very few teachers out there, very few people out there know how to get information from a fixed chunk that's new to you into process memory and that that is what i think the the language the language learning industry out there gets absolutely wrong they have no idea how to do this and so they put all their money on uh, systems like flashcards or you know boring grammar exercises that's what they get wrong they don't understand how to acquire the skill of using a particular phrase instantaneously. So for example, the other day I learned how to say in French, I come from South Africa, but I currently live in Los Angeles. And I'm gonna demonstrate it for you now and I want you to pay attention to uh, how comfortable it sounds, how fluent it sounds. So if I say something like, uh, je viens de Afrique du Sud, mais uh, je vis actuellement uh, à Los Angeles. So if you noticed, I had to take a break before saying mais, and I also took a break after saying je vis actuellement à Los Angeles because I couldn't quite remember the a ah and the mais. The, the sentence is too big for me to say in one chunk. Oh, well, let me try. Je viens de Afrique du Sud, mais je vis actuellement à Los Angeles. Ah, that was nice. That was much better. But here's the secret. I have already repeated this with quality repetitions about 10 times before this. So that means 10 repetitions and I'm away from all notebooks. I am away from uh, all forms of, I don't know, uh, you know, applications to remind me on how to do this. I did zero exercises to do this. I did a working memory rep. Okay, what does that look like? And even then, I would say that, okay, cool. I've got three memories. Memory number one is an accuracy rating. So I'm going to judge my ability to speak that sentence based on accuracy. Did I remember all the words? And the answer is yes. And you can judge your accuracy based on, did you forget any words? So minus words, did you add words? Did you put in extra words? Did you change any of the words? Maybe substitute a word or uh, the fourth option is having the incorrect order of words. All four of those are possibilities and all four of those need to be addressed. Right, 
So that's point the first. The second point is then going for a fluency, a smooth repetition. Je viens de Afrique du Sud, mais je vis actuellement à Los Angeles. Ah, that à Los Angeles is killing me at the moment. So I would say I would score myself down on that point right there. So that's that's a problem right there. And then the the third part of this is basically creating what's called a sight memory that I'm able to spit this out without even thinking. And so to get there, I would stress myself out a lot, like creating uh, different things for my hands to do, like juggling or something like that, and being able to express it, uh, number one, judging by accuracy, then number two, judging by fluency, and going through it like that. So those are uh, the three key ideas with regard to creating a long-lasting procedural-based memory. So if we talk about that, <clears throat> and if we talk about the working memory repetitions versus textbook-focused grammar exercise, boring learning lists of vocabulary, okay, then what we find out is that our predictions on how long does it take to learn a language is completely way, way, way off. Okay, so uh, check out the links in the show notes. Um, Benny Lewis from Fluent in Three Months actually uh, compiled this article of all these different people um, stating how long it takes to learn a language. Now they do this also, remember, based on what's called linguistic relativity, which is how similar a language is to English. So this is assuming that English is your first language and you're learning another language that's similar or different to English. So obviously the, the more different it is, the more linguistically distant it is therefore the more hours you'd have to put in to learn it but that's making a whole load of assumptions as well and the easiest one to attack is this idea that if a language is not structured the same let's say japanese if i say like uh uh what which means uh you know i drink coffee the the idea is that it goes i coffee like Right, so it's subject, object, and then complementary or verb or whichever one you want to say. The idea is that it's it's a different structure. The verbs normally happen at the end. So if I say something like "watashi wa pizza ga taberu you know, there's uh, sorry, "nometaides" is the one, which is "I eat pizza." It's uh, "I pizza eat." So what? Uh, Watashi wa pizza ga nomitaides. Okay, great. It's been a while. Yes, I don't have that automatic memory. I need to kind of uh, activate those memories first. So uh, please remember that Japanese is actually not even a language that I've studied. I've probably learned about 10 phrases in Japanese seven years ago. So the idea is doing these working memory um, exercises. It keeps it in there. And just one or two reps and it's accessible to you again. So, talking about all of these reps and everything, let's go back to it. So, if you were to focus on working memory, the amount of time that it would take you to learn it, very different. But, let me, let me just put this out there. If you were a kid who loved watching manga, that means that your exposure to Japanese was in there as well. Which means the amount of time that it takes you to learn it is already turned down because of your previous exposure to the language. So, my very salient point is that the, these numbers are not meant to be uh, exact, but a guideline. 
And even then, those high numbers can be brought way down based on your experience, based on your passions, based on your love. So in saying that, how long does it take for you to learn a language? Well, you know, everyone's got their different things. So the Common European Framework of Reference for Languages, or the CEFR, which is what Europe uses to grade languages, says to reach a B, uh, B2 level of language, we are talking about 1,000 to 1,200 hours, okay? The American Council of Teaching Foreign Languages says between 960 and 2,640 hours. The Defense Language Institute says 1,560 hours to 3,900 hours. Non-official estimates, for example, from the U.S. Department of State's Foreign Service Institute says 1,200 to 4,400 hours, whereas you know, the uh, chief executive of, uh, sorry, deep deputy chief executive of English UK says 900 to 1,440 hours to get there. And the thing is, is that our, our range is basically 900 to 4,400 hours to learn a language, right? And that is a, a one to two ratio of class time to personal study time. So that means that a third of that time is in a classroom with a formal teacher so i would challenge that i would largely challenge that based on this concept of working memory okay so in saying all of that um i'm going to shamelessly plug uh the spanish boot camp which i'm running so my goal is to run language boot camps to take people who are beginners or who have started learning a language but just can't get a handle on the beginnings of it uh, or just don't know where to start learning a language or want a different strategy so I'll be running these boot camps taking, uh, taking place on Sundays for over a month period at a time. So the first one I'd like to do is the Spanish one, and that is starting Sunday, June 6th for four Sundays in June. So you can check the show notes for more information about that as well. My goal is to run a boot camp every month of the year at least. Um, and so if you're curious in dipping your toes into different languages as well as leveling up your skills for learning, please come on down. So we're looking at doing like a Russian, Italian, Portuguese, French, of course I just mentioned Spanish, um, German as well. We're looking at doing Malay, Jap Japanese, uh, Korean, uh, perhaps Mandarin. Um, we're looking at doing maybe some Swahili. I wouldn't mind doing a couple of other African languages, um, you know, and then Arabic as well. So there's a whole load um, that can be done and just to dip your toe in for a month to come out with being able to to have your first initial meet and greet I call it the getting to know you conversation where you're describing who you are where you come from what do you do things like that and just have like an initial chat with someone in a language and then move on to English if you need to or or say like I don't know how to say anything more so that is the goal of the language boot camps. So if you check the show notes, you can check out the article with all the statistics on how long it takes to learn a language, which I largely challenge because the language learning industry around the world doesn't focus on working memory skill acquisition. Okay, they, they treat it like somehow you're going to magically absorb all this information. Also in the show notes is my previous podcast on languages, which was addressing like um, how the Power Language Index in particular um, graded all these world languages okay there's also in the show notes there's more information about the language bootcamp as well as then a little video of myself working with one of my dear friends and, and previous clients Mark Baines wonderful wonderful human being he and I uh, did uh, a Spanish version of this 
a few years ago, and it was the idea of training up his fluency with the one phrase, and it took us two minutes to get there. Just watch the first 20 seconds of the video, and you've got the summary of the video right there. <clears throat> I hope you enjoy it. Um, if you have any questions or any challenges on language learning that you want to throw out there, please do. I welcome them. As my clients know, I love, I love addressing any concerns that they have or disagreements, criticisms, whatever it is, um, because it creates more conversation and it creates a place where I uh, have the opportunity to learn more. And that's what it's all about. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Let me know what you think. Share it with a friend. Start a conversation. I love you lots. I hope you have a wonderful week. Ciao, ciao.